really felt like the Lord had told me last week that we needed to start looking at our vision again. The Lord wants to give us greater clarity. Great, he wanted to clean the windshield wipe, you know, the windshield off. You know, you're driving down the road, you're, you got your windshield, bugs are hitting it, you got bug guts all over it, dirt gets on it, it gets, you know, you get a slime that goes over your windshield that you have to clean off so often, otherwise you're not going to have clear vision. And I felt like the Lord told me we, we need to go back and get our vision clear again. And so we, we talked about last week the presence of the Lord. Now, we have three vision statements, and it's important that we go over this because uh, Habakkuk 2.2 says, write the vision, make it plain, you know, where people can understand it. Write it on tablets so that those that read it can run. So we're going over it. It is written on our website. Uh, so that's our tablets. <laughs> Last week, we, we talked about the presence of the Lord. I'm not going to re-speak on that. I feel uh, We're going to keep coming back and forth a little bit, but I, I just wanted to highlight how important that is. But our three pillars for our vision, there's a lot that encompasses inside that. I spoke on the presence of God and how important it is that we pursue God's presence, number one. His presence is actually where we're changed. And, um, you know, Psalms 27, check out Psalms 27 if you haven't read it in a while. I shared on it last week. We're, because above all, pursue the presence of God, because His presence is what we're after, we structure our church a little differently. I don't care what the service looks like. I really don't. I mean, I, want, I don't want to care anyway. And I'm working at making sure I don't care what any of you guys think if I know I'm doing what God wants. Do you know what I mean? If I were still seeking to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. You can't please God and everybody. You have to choose who you're going to please. I think I want to please him. But the presence of the Lord, if he comes and his manifest presence, you know, where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst. So we know he comes when we come together. But when, when there is a manifest presence of God, things happen that don't happen otherwise. And it just absolutely will transform who you are the mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. David said, this one thing I'm after. And in Psalms, 120, or Psalms 27, he says, um, he talks about how the Lord said to him, seek my face. That word face in the Hebrew, we talked about this last week. I'm Please go back and listen to the podcast or, the, or you can get it on Rumble and YouTube. And, uh, but the word face means presence. And the word presence means face in the Hebrew. That same word when the scripture says in Genesis that Adam and Eve ran from the presence of the Lord after they ate the, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They ran from the presence. That's the same word. And so without going back into that, um, seeking the presence of the Lord is what we're after. It's what everything, it's the number one thing that we want to found our, our, our church on is what we're doing inviting his presence 
are we saying, Lord, we want you? Because, you know, Revelation, Jesus stands at the door and knocks of his own church. And he says, if anyone will, op- will hear, you got to hear the knock and open up, I will come in and dine with him. How would you like to have the Lord dine with us every Sunday? You know, he's not going to bombard himself in. He's not just going to come in like a bulldozer. He has to be invited in. He's a gentleman during this age. He's coming back with a rod of iron, and every knee will bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But during this dispensation that we're in, he's knocking at the door, and he's asking to be let in. We have to do that individually. We have to do that as a church. So what we're seeking is his presence, and if his presence comes, we may just sit still for the meeting. I don't care if he's here. And I don't want to care. Sometimes my flesh cares. You got to understand that. We got flesh. Your flesh can get out of, you know, but we got to kill the flesh. The flesh is at enmity with the presence of the Lord. The, but that's what happens is when the presence comes and you accept it, man, you're transformed. It's like I remember getting set free from a demon back in 95. I didn't even know I had one. I was a Christian boy. I hadn't always acted very Christian. You know, I'd gotten the things I shouldn't have. But there was a worship service, and the presence of the Lord came so intense. I had never felt it that intense prior to that moment, and it was like God was in the room. It was intense, and part of me was in ecstasy. And then there was something else in me that's screaming, trying to say, you got to get out of this building. And I was having a war going on inside of me. And when I decided I'm not going anywhere, I'm staying seated, something lifted off of me, and I could feel it come off my back and just kind of neck, back area, just kind of lifted off of me, and I've, it, it's never been back. And in his presence, demons can't handle it. I got free from something that was on me and because I had never been in the presence of the Lord like that. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. You get in his presence, things change. They can't stand it. So if we make this a home for Jesus by allowing him to be Lord of his church, and we have to allow him. He's not going to force it. I'm going to make that point. He's not going to force it. He's gonna, we have to allow him to be head right now. He is head, but we have to allow it in this uh, stage of the ballgame. There's a stage coming when the king's going to draw out his sword, according to Psalms 45. And he's coming back with a two-edged sword in his mouth. But So the goal is to do everything centered on his presence, as Moses said. Unless, Lord, if you don't send us up, if your presence do, doesn't go with us, do not send us up. We want your presence in our life. That's a recap. Please go back and listen to that, okay? I'm going to move on, but we're going to be going back and forth for the next number of weeks, God willing. And I want to talk about the second thing that this church is founded on. Um, Ephesians 4, in Ephesians 4, if you all got your Bible, turn there because that's the majority of where we're going to be at today. Um, Actually, this little, this towel actually helps <laughs> I meant to bring my a sweatshirt and I because I, I knew I'm in that place where it's just not it's not summer but it's still gets hot 
I saw the temperature was going to be 80 today, or 79, 80. But it ain't 79 or 80 in here. All right. Okay, Ephesians 4.11. He has given some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of of Christ, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fit and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. I know know the Lord's on this because when I get random songs that pop in my head on Sunday morning, they just come, I know they're messages. And I heard a Brian Adams song that says, everybody needs somebody, somebody like you. And uh, it was going off, and I hadn't heard that song in a while. Uh, and, uh, and I'm like, There's, there, I felt something on that, and I didn't even realize it because I, I, I was heading to the shower, and I'd already felt like the Lord said to go ahead and step into some of this. And I didn't even put two together. I'm just running through the house singing at the top of my voice, which my wife always enjoys. Uh, not. <laughs> uh, and um, so... But then it was like, it, I was like, why am I singing this? I ain't even heard it. And then it hits me. Oh, okay. So our second thing is that it was, and here in this third, but it's equip the saints for the work of ministry. What I want to talk to us is the importance of every single member of the body of Christ growing up into their purpose and their calling. Okay? This is so key. There are a lot of churches that are starting to do this. And, and growing, and we still got a lot of room to grow in this. We're, we're, we're not there. We certainly aren't there. But I know that it's something that we have to aim for because it's imperative that every member of the body grows up and becomes everything that they're supposed to be in Christ Jesus. Now, many of the issues that the church deals with are the result of people not growing up into, their, into Christ and therefore not having their purpose and their calling, thank Jesus, oh Lord, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Uh, um, Many of our issues are the result of people not being where they should be at in their calling because they were the answer to issues that would have been there and because they hadn't grown up into Christ, what God wanted to release through their life in their maturity didn't get released because they're still in their immaturity. Does that make sense? You know, a child is not an adult. Now, God can use children. I'm not really, that's not really my point. God uses children. A child shall lead them. But my point is there's a growth process. There's a maturity. You know, the devil came and he killed, he tried to kill Moses 
tried, by taking out the children. The Redeemer was coming, and when Jesus came, they tried to kill the children, trying to get Jesus. In Revelations 12, we see a dragon that's, re- that's watching this lady give birth, waiting to devour the child because the child would grow up. And it said, when rule the nations with a rod of iron. Satan comes to kill us in our immaturity before we grow up because when we grow up, he can't get us. We're too strong. So the, the goal of Satan is either take us out or keep us in immaturity. He wants to take us out and keep us in immaturity. Most church structures do not allow room for people to grow up. And that's where we don't want to be that way. That's why home groups are so important. Because you can really function in home groups in a way that you, you can't function when you got a bunch of people together. And so the, our church is not just a service. Our church are the people and how we interact with one another. And it's also, there's a dynamic of the home groups that are so important for us growing up into our purpose. Okay, but we have to be an equipping church. We have to equip every, as a leader, you know, yes, I can deal with, uh, I can have jealousy and territorialism and things that fly into my head, but when they do, I cut them off because they're enemies of the cross. They rise up in me, okay? I feel them sometimes. Not like I used to, but occasionally they come up. It is imperative that we kill that thing. And the way you deal with strongholds in your life is you challenge them. When, a, when, a, when, a, when your heart feels something that you know, I, there was a minister in town uh, in Charlotte, and just to mention this guy, there would be this like, I guess jealousy is the only word I could say that would rise up in my heart. And I began to realize that everybody I hear talk about this person, they react the same way. They start, you mention that person, and they start just spewing. There's a jealousy against this person. And I began to just watch this, and, and I would feel it in my own heart, but I wouldn't, I didn't speak it. And I began to challenge these feelings, because that ain't Christ. Now, even this, if this guy's wrong about everything he does, those feelings that I have are not love for my brother. Who, even if he's wrong about things, jealousy is never a fruit of the Spirit. How many know that? And so what I began to do when I felt this is I began to challenge it. Lord, this is ugly, and this isn't you. I don't want this. Help me with this. Help me love this man. So I began to pray for him. And I would pray for him. Anytime he would come up in my heart, I would pray for him. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed until I didn't feel it anymore. And I realized from this that this wasn't even me to begin with. It was a spirit against that person. It was a a stronghold against that person. And that's why everybody that would touch him, they would feel that thing. And it was a way for me to discern what was going on. So I began to pray for the body of Christ in Charlotte. That they would begin to see what they, God, and I don't, I'm not, this, this particular person, I don't think he's doing everything right. That's not my point. He's my brother. You know? How many, know, how many people have family members, and some of your family members, 
don't do everything like they should be doing them? Do they cease to be your family? So what's our response to our family members? We, pr- we pray for them. We try to help them. Our heart's for them. Our hand's lifted out trying to help them. It's not to kick them down just because, because they're our brother or my sister. I don't want to kick. Same thing for the body of Christ. Why do we kick each other? Are they not our brothers and sisters? We, we need one another. Now, I want to go through this Ephesians 4, but I want to tell you that everybody needs somebody. Somebody like you. <laughs> I want to sing it, but I ain't going to do it. No, I'm not doing it. <laughs> That's a good song. It's a good song. Thank you. Um, the Lord is so creative. And if you don't get this, you may not see the importance of this. But, the, you know, Rick says this all the time, and that's, and, but it really is true. God made every snowflake different. And y'all are a bunch of snowflakes. <laughs> Sorry. God made every snowflake different. They, they say that when you look at a snowflake um, under a microscope, and I don't even know how you do that because it melts so quick, but, I, I, but apparently they've done it. And every snowflake has a different pattern inside of it. And every single one of you is so unique. Not just, it's, I'm not talking about just physically. There's something about who you are that God has made like no person on the earth. Why is that? Because God is so big that it's going to take every single one of us to even scratch the surface of who he is. And we are the face. When we're in maturity, we're the face of God. He's given us the mind of Christ. It didn't say he gave one person the mind. He gave us the mind of Christ corporately. There's an aspect about your life that the Lord wants to use to reveal who he is to the world that nobody else can do. No one. Because you were designed to reveal that aspect of Jesus to the world. And as we grow up into him and become what he wants us to be through our relationship with him and knowing him, learning to be loved by him, walking with him, spending time with him. We are becoming what he's called us to be. We are beginning to reflect Jesus in a way that no one can reflect that same image because we're all needed to reflect the fullness of who he is. So if you're not doing your job by functioning and your calling and your purpose, then there's something that's lacking in the body of Christ. And there's a whole lot of lack. This is not a true story, what I'm about to say. This is just something that the Lord showed me to help. uh, I mean, I think it is a true story. I don't have names of individuals or anything like that. It's not, but I believe this has happened. This scenario has happened But it's an example, and you can change the example to make it fit the same point in numerous areas. But I saw it like this. A pastor, he has a church. It could be the same thing as a boss on a job or or anything. He has a church. 
he's the man of God, you know, and he comes in, but there's a, there's a separation between y'all and him. And in reality, y'all exist for him, though that would never be expressed. So rather than him using his position that God put him in to see you guys grow up and be able to walk out and function in everything that you're called to do, which is painful. People are going to do stupid things. They are. That's part of, I, I've done such stupid things growing up into my purpose, and I'm pretty sure I'm not done. <laughs> it's painful watching people grow up. Just is. So I understand the, why people, the many reasons why pastors don't want to see people become who they're called to be. It's painful. It causes a stink in the church. It's meant to because that's how we all grow in love. I'm going to tell you something. When God says, you know, Scripture says that we learn obedience through the things that we suffer. You can't learn obedience when the Lord says, I want you to go over there and get you a milkshake. Oh, okay, Lord, I'll do that. Mm. I'm learning obedience through the things that I'm enjoying. No, no, no. That's easy. That ain't hard. You learn obedience when the Lord asks you to do something that you don't want to. I don't want you to eat this meal today. Why, Lord? What does that got to do with anything? Are you going to obey me or not? You're learning obedience through the things that you suffer. I want you to hire this tr problematic, troubled teenager that's going to cause you a lot of pain and, and it'll cost you a lot of money and a lot of heartache, but I want you to help them. You learn obedience through the things that you suffer. When there's a, when there's a, something, when there's a commandment in Scripture, it means that God's asking something or telling us something that is not going to come naturally, okay? Hey, I want you to breathe. God doesn't have to tell us to breathe. We breathe naturally. He does have to say, husbands, love your wives. He does have to say, wives, respect your husbands. It's not natural. It's not natural. Children, obey your parents. Not natural. I want to do what I want to do. Submit to your leaders. <clears throat> it's not natural. I'm rebellious. I want to do what I want to do. I'll come to church here as long as everything lines up with what I want, what I think needs to happen. But as soon as you don't do something the way I think it needs to happen, I'm out the door. Why does he say to submit to your leaders? Because it's not natural. You don't learn things through easy he wouldn't tell you to submit to your leaders if that was natural. So in the same way that we learn obedience through the things that we suffer, see, if God causes you to a church, and I don't want anybody here that's not called, you, God wants you in a specific place, in a specific church. Some of you are not, may not be called here. And I bless anybody to go where they're called. But I want to tell you that if you are called here and you know the Lord's told you to be here, be here. Whether you like me or you don't like me, that's the whole point. 
It's obedience. People leave churches all the time because of this or that. You're not learning to submit. If learning to submit, just to say that means that you're having to do something that you don't want to do. I know how this works. I've, I've done it. I remember um, having leaders put over me it, it back in the day, in the 90s, when I was the youth pastor. And all of a sudden, I was, you know, for years, I had run the youth department. It was mine to run. And then all of a sudden, I took a break, came back to it, and I had people put over me that I didn't think should be over me. But I also knew that what was rising up in me wasn't Christ-like. So I said, Lord, help. Uh, this hurts. Mm. Lord, help. And you know what I said? And I've made this decision in my life, and I've done this over and over again. Go ahead and die because those that ask for death die easier. Pigs scream and cry and try to get out of it. Sheep go to the slaughter without a word. Be a sheep, not a pig. Just die in silence. <laughs> I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, thank you. I don't like this, but thank you. And I'm just going to submit to everything they're telling me, even though I don't like it. I didn't have the even the understanding behind it, what was going on. But, man, it wasn't, as soon as I submitted and started just, you know, whatever they said, I did it. And that thing in me died. That's happened to me numerous times, and I never have had that person over me for more than two weeks to a month because the purpose was for me to die. Because once I'm dead to it, it didn't matter anyway. Now I was ready for the next stage, next step. We stay in some of our stuff because we refuse to die. All right. All right, so I never did finish the story. The pastor. <laughs> Y'all got to watch me. You got to help me. If I, get off, if, I, if I get off and don't finish the story, tell me, because I've noticed I do that sometimes. Um, so this pastor, he doesn't want to see people raised up under him. I don't want someone getting more anointed than me and people start going to them. See, it's territorialism. It's fear. Because my goal then is that everybody come to me. Hmm. thought there was one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. If I'm the doorway, I've just usurped Christ. And we don't want to call it out like that, but that's what it is. I'm trying to be everybody's God. You got to need me. I'm the pastor. And if anybody, if you start going to somebody else, if that, if that, causes insecurity or causes an issue with you, then you got serious issues. But here's what happens. Pastors wants to make sure everybody's coming to them, and they don't want to see the church raised up and people in their midst walking in gifts and callings and purpose and function and authority that maybe even rivals them. And then what happens? Pastor's little girl catches a cancer. And there was a person that God had sent to their congregation that in their maturity would have walked in great miracles and power and healing. And they were the answer to what the devil was going to do to his, that pastor's little girl. But because of their own insecurity and territorialism, the very thing that he was going to be desperate for in his future was not there because he never let it grow. Can y'all hear that? 
I don't want that. We all have callings and purposes and gifts and functions that we have to grow up into. And you can change the example. It could, I mean, you could change that example into a number of things. But I, that really does, I believe that really happened. I just don't know who it happened to. But I believe that's real. I believe Jesus said when you seek to save your life, you lose it. When you seek to save your life, you lose it. But when you lose your life for my sake in the gospel, you will find it. Everything we do out of selfishness ends up becoming a death later on. And if we'll just go ahead and die, then there's a resurrection that'll come. So if we die to self, it's good. Then, then we, we know that's a good thing. The Lord's going to come. That, that pastor, there, many of you have callings and purposes and things that are answers to what we all need. And if we don't see that grow up, then we're going to miss it. So let's read this again. All right, the clock's back. All right, so he's given. Now, there's, 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 I'm not going into this much, but I just want to make this, and, I, and I've said this numerous times, but there are denominations and schools of thought that say the apostles and prophets and all those have passed away. Now, I think that's a whole lot less today of people that believe that, but you cannot believe that and believe these scriptures unless you think that the church is perfect. Is there anybody in their right mind would say that we have grown, all grown up to the full stature of the maturity of Christ as a church? Anybody? I mean, really, come on. That's too far of a stretch. No. Okay. Ephesians 4.11, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body in Christ until... What does that mean? That means you got all those functions until, until you reach this place that he's about to describe, we have got apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the saints to do the work of the ministry. Until we all attain. Who? How many? All. Attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, not an immature, mature, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That's, that's huge. So he has promised us that he has, we have these ministries functioning in our lives, in the church. They're supposed to be there until the church rises up to the full stature of the measure, the measure of the full stature of Christ Jesus. That is mind-boggling if you really think about what that says. Now, either this is God's word or it's not. If it's true, and we all agree, this is just logic 101, if we all agree that we're not there, then, we, then by, by logic, you have to determine that these ministries are supposed to be functioning in our lives to get us there. Okay? Now, the purpose of these five-fold ministry, and I'm not really focused on the actual offices of them right now. I think we should do that at some point, but the purpose for today is to point to the fact that these are for the equipping of you guys 
for the work of service. You guys are all called to the work of service. If everybody was doing what they were supposed to be to do, what would the world look like? I mean, if, if your body had like, I mean, I would say maybe, 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 but probably not, but maybe 10% of the body knows what they're called to do and they're engaged in their purpose, right? What would your body do if only 10% of it was working? Wouldn't be functioning very well. As a matter of fact, you'd be dead. And of course, much of our church is dead. Churches. Much of our churches are dead because we don't allow people to become who they're called to be in Christ Jesus. We don't give room for it. Why? Because it'll be messy. The Bible says where there is no ox in the stall, the stall is clean, but much strength comes from the ox. If you want the strength of the ox, you have to be willing to put up with a little One of the things that allowing people to step out and try things is they're going to make mistakes, they're going to make mess, people are going to get hurt, but that's how we all learn how to grow in love, that's how we learn how to, you know, get healed, that's how we learn humility, that's how we learn everything that we're supposed to be learning anyway. God so designed this that he, that this whole thing works better with the messes that we're, we make in the process because it helps us train and practice. You don't get good without practicing. We practice forgiving. We practice being healed of hurts. We practice not being irritated. We practice in humbling ourselves. We practice. And so one of the things that we have got to do as a church at large and a church here is if a leadership, as a leadership, is our members, are we doing everything we can and I don't think we're, we're perfect in this. I want to get better, but that's why we're re-looking at it. Are we doing everything we can to see that all of you have the opportunity to grow up into Christ and function in your purpose and your calling? We want that. Now, we need to do that better. You know, Paul said he's at labor until Christ was formed in the churches. Our goal is to see Christ form you. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I can't, we can only help you. We can provide a place with freedom where we have opportunities to grow. If you get something prophetically, I can't make you step out. If you feel called to go pray for someone, I can't overcome your fear for you but I can give you messages that help you overcome your fear. You know what I mean? We can only do so much, but we need to make sure we're doing what we can do to help. So that's our desire. And um, we want to see that happen until we all attain to the unity of the faith. And it goes down, as a result of all this, the, the ministry happened, seeing people grow up into Christ, as a result, we are no longer to be children. That's what I'm talking about. We have to grow up into maturity. It's okay for a child to be a child until they're no longer a child, but they're still acting like a child, right? If your 20-year-old's acting like a 10-year-old, it's time to come to have a come-to-Jesus moment. It's time for the woodshed. God, we need woodsheds in this country. Man, we need woodsheds. 
I'm, I'm a Bible guy. If the Bible says it, I believe it. If you want to argue with it with your psychology, you do it all you want to, but I'm telling you, I ain't accepting it. The Bible says he who spares the rod hates his child. God put that cushion there for a reason. <laughs> God says he disciplines those he loves. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod will remove it far from them. This touchy, touchy stuff, you can't hurt their feelings. You can't, that's, you're, you're, we're seeing the fruit. This is totally a side note. Squirrel. But we're seeing the fruit of a generation that hadn't had the woodshed. We're seeing it. My mom used to take me by the arm, and I had have to go outside and, and pick a switch off the tree. And this was a delicate task because you have to pick that perfect switch that ain't going to hurt too bad, but it's going to be big enough that she don't go out and just pick it. You know what I mean? And she would grab you by the arms, and you start running. But you can't run because she's got you. I am thankful for that. I'm thankful for someone that loved me enough to not let me get away with stuff. It is, it, it, God knows what he's doing. His word tells us how to raise kids, but we don't listen to it. We let our kids tell us what to do. I know, I'm, I don't know, somebody must need to hear this because that was not, I'm just saying. And that's true in the church too. We need to learn how to, to discipline our people. We need accountability. And, but at the same time, you have to do it without being by other people's Holy Spirit. There's a balance to everything. You don't want to be overbearing as leaders. I don't want to be overbearing. I mean, there's been issues in this church that I've like, I'll talk to people, I'll tell them what I think, but I'm not your Holy Spirit. It's up to you. You're going to give an account to the Lord. There, as long as you're, what you're doing is not hurting other people in the church, I'll tell you, hey, I think you're making major mistakes, but once I speak my peace, I'm praying for you. If you keep being a knucklehead, that's on you. I'm just saying. You know what I mean? You, you, there's a balance. Where I'm not, just because I'm a pastor, don't mean I'm, I need to be the people's Holy Spirit. I'm not. He's the Holy Spirit. He convicts us in. He leads us into all truth. So there is a balance. But, so we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. A lot of that goes on. But speaking the truth in love, we need to do that. If we love people, we're telling them the truth. If we're selfish, we're not, we may not tell them the truth because it, there may be some blowback on me. Well, if I don't speak something because of blowback, then that means I'm really, my motivation for not speaking is selfish. You know, if we're going to, we got to speak the truth in love. Grow, we are to grow up in all aspects into him. All aspects. What, are, what is all aspects of growing up into Jesus? It's healing. It's deliverance. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's words of knowledge. It's prophecy. Tongues. Interpretation of tongues. It's both the, the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. That's why there's nine fruit and there's nine gifts. We're called to not only walk in the character of Christ, we're called to walk in the power of Christ. All aspects. When Jesus came, He walked in love perfectly. But He also healed the sick, raised the dead, cast out demons. He also made a whip and overturned tables. 
all aspects into him. And we have got to grow up into that. The way we do that is to help give room, like prophetic training, healing training, home groups, training. We want to do training on deliverance. That's why we do 10-minute speaking, where we allow you guys to come up and share for 10 minutes what's on your heart during this. But at home groups, you got lots of opportunities to share. You need that. We need evangelists to go out in the streets. We took a group out. Paul took a, led a group out a few weeks ago out to the mall, and they did prophetic evangelism. It's practicing. And so we're going to do that. Now, here's the cool part. It's the last thing, I think, one of the last things. From whom the whole body, so it says in verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in the aspects, all aspects into him, all aspects into him, who is the head, even Christ. We're growing up into him. From whom the whole body, not parts of the body, the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. Joints are where two parts come together. Do you know that the supply of what the Lord has for us, the supply is a direct result of us being properly connected in the body. Many Christians don't have what they need because they're, they're a toe trying to connect to an ear. You are not called to be in any church you choose to. You need to be fitted where God told you to be fitted at. He's the Lord of the church. He, he, need, he has the right to put his people where he's called them to be, and if we're rebelling against that by doing what we want, I like this church, I'm going here. You're going to find that your supply is not there because you're supplied where you're joined together. And if you're joined at the wrong place, your supply is not going to work. You have to be joined where he's called you to be, and then you have everything you need for life and godliness. If you are in the wrong place, you will not have everything you need for life and godliness. You will not. It won't happen. Everything you need for your life is tied up in being properly joined to the body of Christ. Without that, you will not have everything you need. You will be in lack. And I'm not just talking financially. There's people that choose career and geography, and all kinds of things over the will of the Lord, and they may have tons of money, but they'll be lacking in peace. They'll be lacking in their kids walking well with the Lord. They'll be lacking in all. There's all kinds of things that we can lack. I would rather have my needs met but not be loaded rich but be able to go to bed at night and just fall asleep rather than my head turning just constantly, just can't sleep because I'm anxiety. Man, I lay down, I go to sleep. That's my wife. I lay down. Sometimes I sit down and I go to sleep. <laughs> Happened yesterday. I sat down on my couch, going to pray a little bit, and instead I, tr- I tried to get a dream. <laughs> it was like that quick. There's pe- I have peace in my heart. I'm, I got peace. That's more valuable than anything because I've, I'm where the Lord wants me to be. I forgive people. I don't stay angry. I do what he says. I don't have a right to be angry at anybody. I don't have a right to have unforgiveness. I have nothing against anyone. I love everybody. Even Paul. I love Paul. I'm at peace. (laughs) 
So when you choose things that are not God's will, it puts you out of his will, and you're, not, you're going to be lacking. And that's especially true with the way we connect with one another. So that which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. Do you get that? The proper working of each individual part. Is every part working properly? I'm going to say no. The body of Christ, many of us, are not growing up into our purpose, and therefore we're not functioning the way we're called to function. Therefore, we're not working properly. So even if we're joined together sometimes, if there may be a lack because people have um, negated to grow up into the thing that they're called to do, and they're not... If you're called to be a mechanic and you didn't ever go to school to learn how to be a mechanic, and all of a sudden you're put inside an engine, you're not going to know what to do. And I can promise you, you're not wanna, you don't want to drive that car when that guy's done. You have to, we have to grow up into him and then be joined together. So if each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love, the body, which is each individual part, is built together as we grow up, joined together in love. All right? So, um, we want to make a place where people can really grow and have opportunities. The Bible says, uh, you know, to always be ready to give an account for the hope that is within you. There's going to be some pop uh, speaking moments. Um, For the sake of time, we're not going to do that today, though that was kind of on my heart to just kind of give a pop you know, hey, what's on your heart? <laughs> the Bible says to be always be ready to give an account for the hope that is within you. So this, we want the church here to be a really a ministry school in a sense, where everybody that comes here is being trained, equipped, growing in the knowledge of the Lord, walking in their calling and their purpose, and that has got to be a pillar of every church. Does that make sense?